0: This is Keyed Up with Max Key.
1: Three, two, one, 1, and we're rolling. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Keyed Up. I'm joined by a very special guest again this week. He is a comedian, professional funnyman, interior <laughs> designer. He runs a production studio, and he's got a great three-point shot on him. Joe Damon. Oh, stop it, Maxie. Good to <laughs> Good see, to see you, my guy.
0: Isn't, isn't this weird, because the last... The last time we did one was when you came and did mine. Yeah,
1: you interviewed me, I remember and that. And like, that was like 2017 or something. Yeah, well, I was trying to think when that was. It was about five, six years ago, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, that was, that was a while back.
0: Yeah, and, and the garage at my flat. Yeah. I don't know if you remember the layout, but do you remember that little room off to the side of the garage? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I lived in that.
1: Was that where you lived?
0: Yeah, bro, I was paying like 60 bucks a week.
1: Wow. Yeah, That'd I remember right. that, that podcast was cool. I remember that. Because we were sitting at that little table eh, by the window, and then there were yeah, all the guys yeah. on the couch
0: that's yeah yeah there's all the boys on the couch yeah i think um i remember yeah i i I remember it being uh interesting one because my mate um maddie jordan was there as well yeah and i remember we were trying to have a convo and then i think he was just (laughs) trying to like take the piss out of you constantly i think i remember remember feeling real real bad and then not really like knowing how to like never get away my. I think because I think we were both just like, holy fuck, this is Max. Yeah. Because yeah. I definitely still had that thing with you, even though we'd known each other for like definitely two, years. two years, two three years already at that yeah. point. But um.
1: See, I used to find that stuff real tough because that's actually something I want to talk to you about today. Was mm. I kind of always? I don't want to say had the fame because that sounds stupidly arrogant, and no, I don't feel true. like I had that. But it's true, I was kind of not born into it, but you know, dad got into a high role in politics when I was eight. And so that was actually something I really wanted to pick your brains about today, is what, what it was like for you, you know, coming from relatively, like, you know, no one really knew you to mm. all of a sudden you're, like, the, one of the biggest, if not the biggest comedian in New Zealand.
0: For sure. It was, it was pretty... And, and no, man, like, it's definitely not weird for you to say that you have been famous for a long time, because you were. Mm. I saw it for, you know, I got to see it firsthand. Yeah. And I'd be lying if I said I didn't know about you before we even met, let alone, like I said, I got to see it firsthand. For for anybody that doesn't know, how me and Maxi know each other, we've we've been playing basketball with each other. Bro, I was thinking about it when I was driving here. I think we first met when I was like 20. Yeah, it was ages ago. So it'd be almost 10 years. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it would have been first or second year uni. Yeah, and I remember... We were in like the mixed social. Yeah, that's <laughs>
0: good. But we were so serious, <laughs> so serious. We were so serious, but our team was good. We were good. We, we were good considering. We sucked. <laughs> no, nah, we went to. No, No, that's it. No, nah, you know what? We were good considering we didn't know the rules. Yeah, I think the only people that knew. Jeremy, you Sim. and Jeremy. Some. Yeah. Nah, was, I'll take you too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but we'd be like we had all the gear, like the fresh shoes. <laughs> And I
0: remember that was back when you had your blonde hair. I know. Your I long know, blonde. And oh, no, I was like... Cause, Draco Malfoy. Because you, you were... Bro, tell me about this. Because I know you were in quite a crazy phase of your life then. Yeah. Because that was when you started DJing. Yeah, I yeah. I don't know how you feel. Yeah, if you don't feel like talking about no, it, no, you know, this kind of hard. stuff, let me know. But um, I remember you were DJing. I remember you had music coming out. You are you you're know you starting to vlog and stuff. and Yeah, I remember that just probably being quite an interesting point in your life because like you said you were handed something that you didn't necessarily ever want want yeah. and then this was you trying to utilize that in a way that was I guess authentic to you right?
1: yeah and see I've spent a lot of time like thinking about that because you know if you look at my life now I like pretty much never go out I don't drink mm. I have like no social life I'm very focused on like business on jujitsu you know if you look at me now to five years ago when I had like ponytail, bandana, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, out DJing all the time, like, you know, I don't even recognise myself. And I think a lot of people go through that journey, you know, when mm. they're young. But, yeah, I guess to answer your question, I was thinking about this a lot, like, over the last, like, year or two, and I actually think, because I love music, like, I've always mm. been into music, but if you asked me what was the dream job, it was, you know, it was always, like, an investment banker or a trader or yeah, yeah. astronaut, or, you know, it was never DJ or famous or, you know, I actually... So I think I'm a bit like you. I'm like an introverted extrovert. Yeah. And so I think what I liked about that phase of my life was, you know, for 15 years I'd just been John Key's son. Mm. I'd meet someone and be like, oh, this is John Key's son. I'd be like, oh, hi, I'm Max. I actually have an identity. Yeah, yeah. And so doing that, even though I became like this meme or a bit satirical almost, I was Max Key, Yeah. whether it was for good or bad. And I think there was just this part of me when I was that age that, liked that for sure you know I'd go and people like, oh that's Max Key not oh that's John Key's son yeah and I think that that is actually the driving force behind it I never had mm-hmm. this like you know because I think a lot of people sit there and go oh he chased fame and he did all this but to be honest like it was all coming out regardless of what I did
0: exactly and it you was kind of saw so, that it was there for, it was there whether you wanted it whether or, I wanted so it or you, not so you I remember you saying you were you were just like well, I may as well just try to use it for my benefit. Yeah, you're not going to fucking leave me alone, regardless. Regardless, of what
1: I do. yeah. And so that that I think is where people I think have been a bit harsh on me. Yeah, you know because I think they don't remember all the articles before I did stuff. Oh, for sure. And I think what what's interesting though is we were the first political family globally, you mm. know, that was in the social media world. You know, if you think about Helen Clark didn't have kids, and before that it was Jenny Shipley, and sure. that was the 90s, mm. and then really the only other family that had high-profile kids, not that we were, like, massively high-profile, but was the Obamas, and no. they weren't allowed social media. Exactly, exactly. So it, I think mum and dad had that tightrope of, you know, I was a young kid and wanted to do stuff, and they didn't want to control me. Yeah. But then I kind of did stuff that wasn't normal for a political child, and I think that's why they came after me more than... Mm. But, I don't know, it's all, like, I'm sure, as you know, it's all, like, a learning curve and...
0: Oh, for sure, man. I mean, but you went... With- through a phase that we all go through. Yeah. You just went through it in front of everyone. In front of everyone. I was lucky that I went through my phase of it literally right before I became well known.
1: Yeah, because taught me taught me through your journey. So I know so your mum was Fijian, dad yeah. someone. And uh you... dad my
0: dad's moldy. Moldy, sorry. And my mum's still Fijian. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, my my dad's my dad's moldy, my mum's Fijian. And uh, yeah, I, I was born in Wellington.
1: And why Newmarket? Yeah, yes, yeah. And then the um,
0: hard out, not bad. And then I moved to Asia when I was about five. Oh wow, where? Moved to Malaysia first. Oh Kuala Lumpur. Or? Yeah, right Yeah, oh, nice. yeah. Lived in KL for a few years. How do you find that? I remember loving it when I was younger, but yeah. then interestingly, I went back maybe 2018. Yeah, and I hated it. Did you? I do think it. I do think it's different now. I yeah, I was born
1: in Singapore. We yeah, your dad was working over there. Yeah, so we we spent like a couple of years there. No shit. Where where was your dad working when you were in Singers? He was Merrill Lunch. Really? Yeah.
0: I feel like I may know someone that. Nah, nah. I don't think it was Merrill Lunch actually, because obviously when you're an expat kid,
1: yeah, they all kind of know each. You other. You all know each other. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, that's so interesting though, yeah, well, because. What, what year did you guys move from Asia?
1: We were there I was only there for like seven months, but oh, Mum and okay. Dad were there for like two years. Damn. And then we moved to London.
0: I I bet my parents will know people that your old man knows.
1: Yeah. because no, it's quite a tight knit community, oh, especially back then. It's real tight. Yeah. I mean
0: the even just the expat community alone is tight, let alone mm. Kiwis, Kiwis Australia. Yeah. It, overseas The Kiwi Kiwis and Australians, we kinda just make each other the same. Yeah. We've we've agreed to do that. Yeah. O- overseas. <laughs> So, yeah, bro, I moved over there, and then... Because
1: your dad was IT, right? Yeah, bro. Yeah. Fucking
0: hell, Mixie. I know. You knew that he did IT, but I thought he was someone. That's so crazy, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm no, no bro, bro. I'm, I'm, bro, I'm really, I'm really impressed, <laughs> man, honestly. Um, yeah, so my dad did IT, Um, and then my mum's been in and out of the industry, too, and then...
1: What was IT like in the... Because that must have been just when...
0: Yeah, that's... So, my, my dad, back in the day, used to work for a company called EDS, Electronic yep. Data Systems, and they... I think they got bought by HP kind of around when we moved back to New Zealand, which was about 2006, Yeah. Yep. Um, and they, bro, they used to be based in um, that Smails Farm building. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in yeah. Tekka. yeah, so they used to be based in there. And his, his job was predominantly like setting up data centers and stuff. So yep. that's why, you know, hence Malaysia. Yeah. Then yeah. we moved to India. Oh, wow. You know, what was that like? Just, you know, it's data center city. Yeah. Cool, you know you're not you're not sure the call centers over there. <laughs> <laughs> so my dad was it was literally my dad's job to go set those up. Yeah. Um,
1: and did you move to India?
0: Yeah, bro. So I lived there as well. Shit. Mo- lived in Mumbai. Wow. Gnarliest city in the world, bro. Did you have an
1: iron hard stomach,
0: bro. The, the, I,
1: it's probably trained. I, I think you up.
0: I think to this day still because yeah. of that. But well, that's that's one of those cities that people don't really when you think of like a crazy dangerous city, everyone thinks of like a Rio, mm-hmm. or you know somewhere in South America. Yeah. But India is of that ilk. Is it? I've never been.
1: It's crazy. Yeah.
0: I, I could be walking along in Mumbai, bro, and just see, like, a foot on the ground. Shit. I'm not even talking shit. Yeah, no, that's it was be. It was crazy, bro. And, you know, you just see... We used to go down to this, this local market, and it's where um, me and my mum would go down and buy um, bootleg DVDs. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yeah, bro. So, <laughs> that's a throwback. It, it was so funny. So they had... um. They would have bootleg DVDs, and so if it was a really shit quality of a movie that was out, it'd, mm-hmm. it'd just be called DVD. But if it was a high quality one, it was called DVD nine. Ooh. So if you saw like a DVD nine of Harry Potter, it was straight in. It there. was like sixty dollars. So, oh. <laughs> and would get it every time. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that um, IT money. Yeah, but that IT <laughs> <laughs> IT money. It was um, but but yeah, man, it was just it was such an interesting um way to grow up, and then coming back.
1: How old were you then? I think we came back. We
0: we were back and forth for years, but we came back kind of permanently when I was about 10.
1: Oh, wow. So you yeah, do remember 10. quite a bit of it? Yeah, heaps, heaps. Sure.
0: And I I, I I I talk about it in my stand-up. I remember I was old enough to remember what it was like coming back to New Zealand mm. and then seeing how different things are.
1: Did it feel real clean here? Or just like the pace of life kind of? Pace of life
0: was... That, that was crazy coming back and just seeing how much slower it is mm. but i think um i think what freaked me out was the kiwi reservedness yeah in what way just how much we hold ourselves back we don't um i i still remember this being 10 years old and thinking everyone in new zealand was i remember saying to my mum, everyone here's quiet yeah but i don't think i met in the sense of we don't talk it's just we don't express ourselves, express and that was something yeah. I was able to pick up really early.
1: Well, in, in India, did you find they were more? They're just more,
0: yeah, they're, they're, they're just more expressive. Yeah. And it's not in a, it, it, it's not in any crazy sort of way. They just.
1: Well, I th- think part of it could be, this is an absolute stab in the dark, but, you know, it's such a big population that to be heard or seen, you probably have to be a little bit more.
0: I think that definitely plays a part in it but i think it's also there's one thing w- with kiwis that we don't realize is no nowhere else in the world are they as reserved as we are mm. and people always say kiwis are really um like friendly and easygoing which i would say we are but i would say we're that kind of to a surface like, I was just to gonna, a, like to a point i mean
1: that's what i found traveling is i feel like Kiwis are really nice when you don't know them. Yeah. You know, if you're like, oh, where's the dairy or where's, you know, for for directions. But when you actually want to get to know someone or get, like, it's hard making friends here. Yeah.
0: I I would, how I would describe a Kiwi relationship is, and I'll use a basketball term high floor, low ceiling. (laughs) So it's really easy to feel like you're someone's really good mate. Yeah. Kind of off of nothing. But then. What kind of hits you with reality is that you realize that it probably doesn't go like it's not very deep it's actually not mu- doesn't actually go much further than that, yeah, and I can say that with friends that I've had for years like years like dudes that I've known really well, guys that I've lived with, we're still kind of like I've been going to my my mates um i've I've been having a few mates' weddings and stuff, and it's all of boys that I've grown up with. And it's um it's so funny catching up with some of them again, and it feels awkward.
1: Yeah, because you kind of don't know them, eh? Yeah. Like you do, but you...
0: But you don't. <coughs> and I'm not saying that's a, a, an inherently New Zealand-only thing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I do find that that probably happens more in New Zealand for me than anywhere else. Why do you think that is, though? Because I think we never got to that level in the first place. Yeah, I think we never got to a level deep enough to have anything more than just surface level. And the only thing that was stopping us from not being that deep was that we were together all the time. Yeah. And as soon as we're apart, that's that's why our relationship reveals itself to what it really is. Yeah. But in New Zealand, because we're so small, you probably will have relationships like that all over all your life. It, yeah. But you'll just never experience it because you're never gonna be apart from all these people. Yeah. Because, you know, we all live in these sort of tight-knit communities, these tight-knit bubbles, and it's not until you leave them that you realise who you're close to, who you're really close to, and then who you're not.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, I guess last time, you know, we did that podcast, I feel like you had a very different kind of friend group to, you know, who you're with now. Mm. How did you, you know, I feel like I went through a similar transition where it's not that you outgrow people, but I guess I found between 20 and 25, you know, you become such a different person. For sure. So how did you navigate, you know, because not only, you know, were you going through that, but you went from, you know, couch surfing and, Mm. you know, sleeping out of your car, I'm pretty sure, and, Mm. you know, all of a sudden you're on Comedy Central and you're killing it. Like, was that – did you find people that had been close to you changed? Not changed, but, you know, their outlook on you was different or –
0: but I honestly think it was, you know, what I was mentioning before. I think the only thing that changed really in our relationship was our relationship stayed the same. I just changed. Yep. And I think it's hard when... Because with, with me, I mean, there's there's a lot of dynamics that kind of play into it with me. Probably one of the big ones is... So I went to a private school in Wellington. Yep. And... um And then obviously we went to uni together. And so I was a a brown dude in predominantly Parkour spaces. Yep. And so what you often do as a brown person when you're having to enter these spaces is, is you either adapt and you try and assimilate or you kind of struggle with Doing it alone, or trying to figure out where you can find people, and obviously the easiest thing is to just adapt and assimilate because, you know.
1: And By if, that, do you mean like with our culture, or? Yeah,
0: yeah, and 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 it's little things, just because, for example, I, I came to Auckland pretty much on my own. Like a, there was a few boys that I went to school with, but we weren't super close. Because
1: um, you were in the uni halls, were yes, you in
0: yeah, o- yeah, Iraq? yeah. Now I was in I was in uni uni, uni hall, hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was in uni hall and um, you know I'm 18 I've I've done well I've done well in high school and I've kind of figured out how I can continue to do well in all, all these other spaces Like uh, I know how I need to talk I know what I need to do but I don't know necessarily who I am what I'm into I don't necessarily know what an authentic version of myself is let alone how to even be there so What do you you keep doing Is you just keep Surviving in the way That you've continued to survive What's the way that You know you've Continued to make mates It's what interests have you shown What do you do Oh okay These boys all All drink all the time That seems to be the thing I didn't start drinking First time I drank Was my 18th birthday Oh wow I wasn't a big drinker Or anything in high school And even after that I didn't really drink It was just for my birthday So you know That's one way How I assimilate it like okay I'll start drinking all the time, yeah, um you know what's a what what's another way to assimilate okay, I'll start talking a little bit different i will start you know changing my interests a little bit. It's these really subtle ways that for people that probably don't experience it, it probably sounds quite trivial, but if you add to that the struggle of figuring out who you actually are with trying to figure out how to fit in.
1: We don't feel authentic, right? nah.
0: And it just it just fucks with your with your mind really, and it and it did mine.
1: Yeah, well, that's exactly how I felt. Yeah, I bet. So I can completely I can relate to that. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. So,
1: so how did you go down that journey of discovering? Because I remember like you were at uni for a bit, and then you know.
0: Yeah, because I think when we were playing basketball, I yeah I was still at uni.
1: I think you were still studying. I yeah. was
0: doing property development, and um, great career. Great career. But that was an assimilation thing for me too. Yeah, it's no coincidence that everyone in my flat ordered property. So for me, it was a career where I was just like, okay, I can see, I can, I can see these boys doing well in it. I can, I have, I do have some genuine interest in it. Um, maybe I'll take this on. But it was funny up until then; I'd never really shown any yeah. interest in it. But I look at. <coughs> I looked at that as another means of me trying to, trying to fit in, and then I I think this is where the difficulty came with my book because these boys are still I'm I'm super close to them, um, but probably close in a very different way, which which has been really interesting to still kind of figure out with them as as we've gone through these recent experiences together, us all getting together, you know, at our friends' weddings and stuff. It's um. I think it's more of a case now of they don't really know what my relationship with them is Yeah. because I'm inherently very different to originally what I was like when we were super close. Yeah. And I think that's still something I'm figuring out too, but that's a, I would say that's a very poignant struggle that we have in New Zealand because, because we're so small we don't usually have the space to be able to step out of our comfort zone and be able to step out and do things yeah because how, we're we're a lot more likely to be seen by those that already know us so it becomes more difficult for us to make that jump
1: how did you find cuz obviously tall poppy syndrome is terrible in New Zealand mm. but how did this could be completely wrong but how did you find as like a person of color and not in a racist way but did you find you still received tall poppy syndrome or how how did like your community kind of react to you you know, because you, you became a very public figure, you know, and mm. a lot of your humour is based on kind of the cultural stuff, and mm. did they appreciate that, or? Yeah, the,
0: the brown community has always been super supportive of me, but it's because, like like one, th- one thing that the brown community, brown people, I should say, value is, we value um, humility and we value respect, and... I've definitely gotten criticism at different times for uh for different things. And I think those times have only been when I guess they've questioned what I'm doing, you know, in, in those regards. Yeah. But bro, I'd be lying if I said I've had a very difficult experience with it. But I would say what I was lucky with was like I said before, I got to go through that journey of realising myself and finding myself before anybody even knew who I was. Mm -hmm. So by the time I did become, I did, by the time I was put into spaces where more people would see me.
1: You were kind of ready for
0: it. Yeah, I knew my perspective. I knew where I was coming from. I'd already battled with my identity all through these years and I'd figured out at least who I wanted to be and how I wanted to be there. I definitely was not that.
1: And how did you go, what was that journey like for you, like, did you write goals out? Did you Yeah, yeah. So the first one was goals for sure. Um So t- paint the picture. So where in your life were you at this point? So Okay,
0: so this is we're we're still playing basketball together. This is middle of twenty seventeen. Yeah. So I think we're still
1: I think we in twenty sixteen. Yeah. Oh no, probably twenty seventeen. I think we met twenty sixteen.
0: No, we did meet 2016, because yeah. that was the year I came back to Auckland. Yeah, because I and finished... And we met then.
1: Yeah. So I I was working twenty eighteen. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. So we met we met 2016 and twenty sixteen and 2016 was a full year at uni for me, doing property development. And then it was halfway through seventeen. What had happened was I had started working in the industry. I got an internship at a at a company and I really struggled at it. Yeah. Um and it was actually that experience that helped me realize that the industry wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you the story. Um I went to this uh, function, and we had just come from our company Christmas party. And we went to this function straight after. This is going to be – this is such a weird, buzzy, kind of full circle thing. Um, And none none of – we would just come from the company Christmas party, so none of us were dressed like particularly amazing, you know. This function, everyone was wearing suits and ties. like, you know what the property industry's like. And we're all kind of wearing jeans and polo shirts and stuff like that. So and um
1: The My Daddy's a lawyer started
0: Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Specifically yours too. <laughs> so. <laughs> so all by all that. And um And I was the only I was the only brown person. Mm-hmm. Pretty much the only brown person. Um in the room. And I remember just being in there and what would happen was because my at this function, my boss was the man. Like, he was the guy that everyone was trying to talk to. And so much so that I think he was trying to kind of get people off of talking to him. So he'd just kind of like push me in there and be like, yeah, this is Joe. Meet, <laughs> meet Joe. Um, and then he'd be able to walk off. And um, and the, the first couple of times, because it happened, it happened, I would say, four or five times on this evening. First, The first like one or two times The people just kind of dismiss me They'd be like hey what's up And then just walk off But then I would start trying to start Conversations with people And they would just dismiss me as well The reason I knew it wasn't an age thing Is because my mate was with me And he was the same age And he had this fake Rolex watch <laughs> And people kept coming up to him And asking him about his watch But he kept saying it was fake And like making jokes about oh, it and right. it was fake and yeah. they were loving it and then I guess I would try in the same way. Talk to people, and I just kept getting sort of dismissed. And um, not to make this a race thing, but I think brown people will understand exactly what the fuck I'm talking about, how mm. that feels being in spaces like that. Yeah, yeah, it'd be tough. And getting dismissed the way, the way that that felt. And it was literally that day that I was that I said to myself, "Me, me and my mum, we've never really had convos like this. We're we're not super." We're we're, clo- we're close obviously, but yeah, we don't really talk about stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. Just uh I mean there, there's a here's a bit of an insight into brown household. Um racism's not top of the agenda. Um cleaning the dishes and <laughs> fucking making sure the house is clean, that's usually before all that, so <laughs> um Yeah, me and my old lady, we don't really talk about stuff like that. And so I remember calling her up afterwards and I was crying. Oh, shit. And I was just saying, to her yeah. I don't think this is. I don't think this thing's for me. Um, I've been working my ass off. I'm trying to make it happen, and I just feel like people aren't gonna give me a chance here. And I think she found it difficult to take, but she's she's super tough. She was like, "You've just got to, you just got to fucking do it. son. you've just got to figure out how to get through it. You know, make the, make them and, and yeah, the, and and how my mom talks, make them regret." Ever dismissing, that, you, yeah, dismissing yeah. you in that way, um, which I yeah, which I love. That's why I'm, that's what my mum's attitude is. But what I did do was I then went away and I said, okay, if I was to do something else, what would I do? And I made this list of all the things that I've ever wanted to try in my life. Mm-hmm. And um, stand up comedy was literally at the top of the list. Oh, no. And it wasn't like a career thing; it was just something you wanted to do. What are all these things that I want to try? <clears throat> Stand up was the first one, so I made a commitment to I'm going to try every single thing on this list. Yeah, I'm going to try stand up. Went and um, signed up for an open mic. Did my first one. How
1: scary was that,
0: bro? I was. <laughs> I I had signed up for it, and then I got so scared that then the day of, I emailed the comedy um, club owner Scotty, who's a good mate of mine now. I emailed him and said. Uh, I got sick I, I can't come tonight Yeah And I was hoping he'd just be like Oh yeah no worries mate Just well, sign back up When you're feeling good again He was like Oh okay I'm going to move you To the next week oh, no. So I'm like Oh <laughs> shit I've only bought myself a week
1: No, I'm, I'm real sick yeah, 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 yeah I think it's yeah. I think it's a two week illness yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So I um, So yeah he moved me To the next week bro right? And I did the next Next week I didn't write any material For it I just Yeah did you just wing it yeah, because you were always down. crack up at uni. So I was always an idiot. Yeah, yeah. Like you you know, I was always yeah, like yeah. talking shit. Who was and, the funny guy? Yeah, <laughs> and um, I don't. I'll, I'll actually I'll actually ask your your perspective on that. But but yeah, bro, I did. Um, I d- I didn't really do any material, which I'll say to anybody wanting to do stand up, don't do that. You don't don't reckon? just go up and wing it. Nah, nah. Because
1: I remember I watched Kevin Hart on Joe Rogan, mm. and he was talking about his process of how he prepares for, like, his Netflix specials. Yeah. It might be different because it's, like, a. I, I could be completely wrong, but he he was saying he would, you know, write, spend months just getting all these jokes ready, mm. and then he would go around all these different tiny comedy clubs fully around the country for, yeah. like, six months and just test, test, test. He,
0: he still does that. Yeah. He still does that way. Uh, why I say don't do it that way is because my experience were, was through growing up, because um, Māori, you know, we have tonguey. mhm. Um, you know a funeral and the night beforehand I always forget what it's called but part of the ceremony is the night beforehand all the Fano sit in the Morai where the body lays and you sit around it and you tell stories oh cool yeah and my old man's a pretty shy dude so yeah. he would never get up and speak for us so I would always get up and speak and I would always because Moldy, we love going to funerals of people that we don't really know that well. So I would go to these funerals, bro, of people I don't really know that well, and still get up and speak, and yeah. I just talk shit, and you know, make stories up sometimes. <laughs> <Should be> laughing, <laughs> <laughs> you're allowed to laugh, brother. You're allowed to laugh because everyone was, but um, <laughs> but yeah, bro. I just go make up stories and stuff, and just go talk. Yeah, just tell just all these stupid ass stories. So
1: what about so you would fully just make? <laughs> no. But I just
0: make I just make up stories, bro. Honestly, and. It was why so like twenty first season because obviously we have uh, all the same friends group. So I was going to heaps of twenty first for like some of our boys. Yeah, I just go and make up stories about them too because <laughs> I'd got because I,
1: so
0: <laughs> I was so good at it and so and they're just
1: standing up there can't do yeah, anything. But they're like. just like oh,
0: well, everyone's laughing. I can't really just turn around and say this isn't yeah. you know. I never let I never let the truth get in the way of good story. story yeah. So. um... I'd had all that preparation leading up to my first one, yeah. so I, it wasn't like I was doing it for the first time. Yeah, it was just it was the first time I was doing it or trying to do it professionally.
1: Do you, I've always wondered this? I find whenever I go to a comedy show, I'm like, kind of ready to laugh. Yeah, do you, is it easier to make people laugh when you're on stage? Like, because I, I find there's things that like, okay, say we're talking right now and you took a pause for a quarter of a second longer. Mm. That's not funny. But on stage, sometimes when they do. It's funny. Stuff like that's cracker. Or do you have to like... That's a really good question. Work them into it? That's a good question. It can...
0: Me, personally, I find going up and like... So, you know, I've recently been, like, I have recently emceed one of my best mate's weddings last week. I find I get more nervous doing that, but I find it easier. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas... Because one one of the things that makes stand up hard in a comedy club is, sh- yes, a lot of audiences are ready to um, to laugh, but then if you think about the flip side of that, it's they expect to laugh.
1: Yeah, true, true. So yeah,
0: and that's um, that's a tough thing. Especially one thing I really struggled with when I became known was the first thing to suffer was my stand up, because huh? what what had happened was I no longer had the cloak of who's an- this guy anonymity w- anonymity anonymity it was one of the
1: ones in what i just said that's actually really hard one to of to say. yeah anonymity an- an- and- anonymity something <laughs> like that yeah. you weren't anonymous
0: you know I, it, it was a lot easier when people didn't know who the fuck i was that's what i'll say yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Cause, yeah, because I
1: guess it's like, oh, Joe's here; he's crack up. Like, yeah, because
0: now it's like a all oh, we expect to yeah. for you to be crack up, and that's hard when you're a developing comedian because how you develop as a comedian is you try things and you you have to be okay with failing and bombing. Yeah, well, some stuff's not going to work. Exactly, yeah. and that was easy when people didn't know me, but then the hardest thing was I would go to a gig and then this whole I walk in and this whole group is like, oh, Joey D and in my head when I I was walking in for that gig being something where I wanted to try a new joke that I'm not too sure oh, if it works the pressure, and then right? this whole group is there and I'm like oh fuck I yeah,
1: yeah.
0: oh well, no nah, I can't try this new thing I'll look dry as fuck if it doesn't work yeah so what do, what do I do so over the years bro I started doing um I just would crowd work mm. yeah because
1: you're real good at like someone say something and then you always have that like
0: Bro, but the only reason I would do that was because that's an easy thing to. It's when you're good at it, because crowd crowd work is probably the hardest thing in stand up. Yeah, but it's when you're good at it, it's the easiest, easiest thing. Yeah, yeah, but that's not in a good way. Yeah. It's
1: it's like the low hanging fruit. Be, yeah,
0: it is. I, I became a one trick pony because yeah. I was too scared to actually try to put myself out with material. So my process, my thought process was: if I just crowd work, if it doesn't work, then I can just say while well, I'm improving I'm just pissing around yeah true. you you can't criticize me for that yeah so that's for so bro for like my first kind of three years being um a bit more out there on the scene that's all I did because it was all i was i was too scared to try material, I was too mm-hmm. scared to actually try anything and then um and did that change yeah bro it for the it changed uh, like near the end of last year, yeah so only recent years
1: and how do you how you get yourself to you know, drop not ego, but how did you get yourself to drop that that fear?
0: I took two. I took two years off of stand up. Yeah. So I would do the odd gig here and there if a mate asked me to help up on something or. Yeah,
1: because you've talked about, you know, there's a bit of a theme I felt in the last like six months where last year was tough for you. Yeah. Why was that?
0: It was a lot of things. I've I've been in a really strange kind of transitional period of my life, this uh, this last twelve to eighteen months. Yeah. Um, And I think it's a case of Being very successful But feeling like a failure constantly No one knows You know the difficulty of what you're doing more than you do Mm -hmm. And I think what I find hard And and I'll I'll bring it back to my mates weddings uh, Even just the conversations I've been having with some of my mates I've been really It's really hard bro because Say for example People ask me how you been? you're killing it. And then I'll tell them how I'm not killing it, what's the struggle for me, how I'm finding it hard. And the reaction is never, I'm sorry to hear that, it's always, oh, no, everything else is mean no, isn't it? Yeah. So it's, I think it's this weird thing of, when I first was able to talk about mental health, my struggles were relatable, whereas now I feel like people, because they can't relate to them per se, I think it's harder for them to understand exactly what I'm talking about struggling with. Yeah. The feelings that i talk about, I've always talked about.
1: But I think that's the problem with social media is, you know, they see you and, you know, you get all these, like, comments and everyone's like, oh, he's hilarious. And, you know, yeah. it, it looks like everything's perfect. Yeah. So but, I,
0: but that's my fault, too, for painting it that way.
1: Yeah. But then, you know, at the same time, if everything's, like, morbid and depressing, you know, mm. you lose all. Yeah. No, it's definitely, it's, it's a tough thing to navigate. How, yeah. um... Yeah. And how long did that kind of go on for? Like, how? I've,
0: I've probably been in this because I'm definitely still in it. I'm definitely still feeling it. It's probably been, yeah, a year and a half, I reckon. It's been a solid year and a half that I've been feeling this way. Yeah. And to the point where there's been certain elements of my career that I've just been had days where I'm like, fuck, do I just give that up? Because I've, I've got a bunch of different. Rings to yeah, it looks like you got a bro, heap I guess. on. Yeah, yeah, you know the stand up and stand up. I thought about quitting failures because I hadn't done it for two years. I was like, do I just give it up? The company is yeah, bro, running a company is the biggest nightmare ever. Oh, it's, it's tough. Yeah, it's the worst. Worcester. And I, I started mine seven years ago.
1: oh is that this is West?
0: Bank? Yeah, yeah. And it's no easier running it now. It's actually getting harder. I've had days fuck bro. Even this morning, I was thinking like, shit, should I just give that shit up? It's the it's so hard. It continues to get harder. Um, I've had days where at the moment I'm writing this script which potentially could be an extremely life-changing opportunity for me and it's just such a a grind. I've even had moments where I'm like, damn, do I just, do I just give that up? And so the only reason I guess I'm being open about it is that it's a thing that I guess I'm... um going through now and one thing that I've never been good at is I'm good at talking about struggle in hindsight I've never been good at talking about it as I'm going through it yeah. it's very easy to look back and be like okay this is what I was going through this is what I did wrong it's hard to be in the moment being like I'm struggling with it now and and that's I think once I was able to do that it's so interesting because I've just kind of started back in stand up this year
1: yep has that kind of got the ball rolling on everything but it's up? never
0: been easier Stand up's <laughs> never been easier for me because I finally let go of that, that need I guess that I had to be well presented all the time and to have every thought figured out, and to be perfect. Yeah, I finally got rid of that, and then.
1: And is that helping with you know the other sides of the business? Yeah, or?
0: yeah, it, def- it definitely is. It, it's I mean all, all those things are still a struggle, but it's helping me at least process because I'm not because because I'm not blurring my mind with. I need to have this figured out i'm giving myself that love and respect to be like bro it's okay that that you suck at this it's okay that you're shit at it right now you need someone else because then that opens my mind up to okay you need someone to help you with this okay you need to find out how to get the money to help you with that yeah rather than i put the pressure on myself to have it figured out and that then shuts off your ability to look at those other avenues of where you could need the help yeah So yeah, bro, that's that's just kind of like the journey that I'm on right now and it's it's hard as fuck, but it's um I'm grateful that I've kind of figured out my way forward with it.
1: No, that's awesome to hear. I think one thing that helps me as well is every morning I try to write five key tasks for the day. You've told me about this. Yeah. It sounds stupid, but there's something about, you know, you wake up and you're like, Oh shit, what do I need to do today? So like today I might write podcast meeting, gym. Got you. Like Dinner. It can be real Real basic Tiny stuff But then at the end of the day You sit there and you go like, Oh yeah I did that Did that. that And then if you don't do it Then it's the first thing On the list tomorrow Got you And for someone like you You know I'm kind of in the same boat With lots of like Different hats you're kind of Trying to juggle mm. It's really easy to sit there And feel like Oh I'm not making progress On yeah. any of these things I don't. Whereas if you just Every day you're making Like these tiny little things That's a good one To me I don't know Just that, that massively helped I mean it might not be For everyone but
0: No that, that definitely That definitely will work for
1: me because i think for someone like you where you've got so many different because i think where it'd be tough is how to explain this so say say it's like the gym say that you've never started gymming and then all yeah. of a sudden you know you're making like massive gains you're getting really strong you feel yeah. really good if you you know say get to like a really big peak at some point mm-hmm. and then you know, you're still making gains, but they're, like, way more, like, small and, you know, not as incremental. Yeah. It feels like you're not getting better. For sure. And that, you know, if someone like you where, you know, your stand-up's up, this is West Park's huge, and you, know, you got the show on Comedy Central, mm. it could be easy to get in that mindset where you sit there and go, oh, I'm not doing well. And it's maybe a really good way quit. to put it. But it's not that you're not doing well, it's just that the bar you set on yourself is so much higher now because you have expectation. That's a really good point.
0: I actually don't think I'd thought of it that way, but that is a really good point that you raised. Because now it makes me think of...
1: Well, if you look back at how far you've come... It's
0: crazy, It's right? crazy,
1: yeah. And so it's just now that, you know, because maybe you get the show on Comedy Central and you do these things, and then all of a sudden it's like, I need to do this every year.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But It's a good point, bro.
1: You know, maybe you do it every five years, but the one in four more years is the big one.
0: It's a good point. Because now, now, now where that brings me back to is like, you met me before I even did this shit.
1: Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, when I hear you saying all this, it's like, oh... God, I hope he doesn't give up on all this stuff because yeah, you're killing it, yeah. you know? And that's where I think perspective is everything. Mm. And that's where, you know, I think when you write all this stuff down, you know, because then you can sit there and six months later you go back and go, oh, shit, sure, I remember when I was grinding on that. Mm. Whereas when you don't do it, when you have so many things in your life going on, you sit there and go, you know, can it all get a bit lost? Yeah, yeah. Because imagine if you threw away all that and then in two years, you know, how you're talking about your good in hindsight, you're probably going to sit there and go, Shit, sure, that uh, thing was mega.
0: Yeah, that thing was mean. You yeah, know, That's such a good point, bro. Where where did you get the, that uh, perspective from? Or, or, you you know, the fact that even you did the task thing. Where where did you get all of that from? Where was that change for you?
1: See, I, I have really bad OCD. Really? Yeah. I got diagnosed like three years ago. True, because
0: your car is messy as fuck. So I, I know. I'm not, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding.
1: But... I think for me, like a lot of my OCD is perfectionism. Okay. Like I get very obsessed with everything has to be perfect.
0: That's, you know what's really funny is that um, I remember, I actually remember reading about it somewhere and it was something about you you often see somebody with that get really good at one specific skill, usually in a sport. Mm. And I'm not talking shit here, like your three-point shooting. Yeah. Now nah, that makes me think about that. Yeah, because well, if anyone listening makes he's an exceptional three point
1: shooter. <laughs> but I think yeah, and so I, I think my life, I always went through these things, and you know I'd get obsessed with basketball. I could see and it, yeah. All yeah. I would do is go shoot threes. That's what just, I could see it now. Yeah. Against jujitsu, it's like got to go to world champs. Like, got you. like business, I was like, got to be the biggest property developer, and DJ mm. had to be the most famous. Yeah, yeah. And so everyone sat there. And I think in the positive aspects of my life, no one's noticed OCD Mm. because it just looks like I work hard and, you know, I want good grades and Mm. blah, 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 blah. But it was just this drive, this fear of if it wasn't perfect, things could go wrong. And so the problem with that was that, because I went through a massive phase that you went through probably about three years ago where I was, I wouldn't say I was, well, I probably was depressed. You know, it wasn't, I always viewed depression like, you're stuck in bed. Everything's dark. You want to kill yourself. Yeah. I was never like that. Right. But I was going through something very similar to you, where I sat there. And I felt like a massive failure. Yeah. And when I look back now, you know, I'd had a really good job. I would traveled the world. I'd done all these things, but mm. I'd spent my whole life going, "Oh, you're only this because you're John Key's son." So mm-hmm. I just went through this massive thing where I was like, "Well, if I can be the best on the basketball field, it doesn't matter that I'm John Key's son because yeah, I'm better than you. And I feel like if I have a successful business, well, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And so I just had this that's what my like ocd latched onto it was and that's to s- full circle back that's kind of what i loved about the djing was it i became max Key. and so
0: and it was so far from anything that your old man even has like realms within yeah that people couldn't say so
1: they couldn't say it. and so i've just been on the stride my whole life to do all these things and i didn't realize i was doing it per se but in hindsight and like with a lot of reflection, I've realized it was just the strive for perfectionism. Mm. And not, Interesting. it's not because I wanted to be perfect, but OCD latches onto uncertainty. So you get scared of it. Right. So, and so that's why people like Interesting. Facetious, facetiously like tidy their house or it's because they're scared that if it's not perfect, something will go wrong. And so in my head, it was like, if I'm not the best at this, I'm not the best at that. Something could, something go. could go wrong. And Damn. it was like my way of controlling the anxiety mm. was just to work really hard. So then I could lie in bed and go, oh, I couldn't have done any more, And that was my way of – which I actually made the OCD 100 times worse. Mm. And so for me, I guess, like, you know, this is a very long story, but no, no, no. my way of dealing with what you went through mm. was actually – my counselor told me to start journaling, and I sat there, I was like, this is such a load of shit. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm not doing that. <laughs> but then you start writing there, because it's like the OCD journey. Like, I have days where like it's really bad, and I sit there and go, oh, I'm never going to get better. Like, it sucks. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. struggling. But then I look back, and I'm like, sure, I haven't felt any symptoms for like three weeks. Mm. And it used to be 24-7 for like 10 years. Yeah, right. You know? And so for sure, that's like, for me, it, perspective is like everything, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because I'd get bogged down. I'd be like, oh. You know, I'm like, you know, I'm not doing well in business. Because I, I went through this thing where, okay, say I go to the gym. Mm. People would be like, oh, I'm excuse her, like And I'd say I'm doing bench press. You get some big dude in the gym that would come, sit at the bench next to me, go triple what I'm lifting and kind of like walk off just to be like, <laughs> shame, like I'm bigger. Or, you know, I'd be at basketball. No, I, I know. Yeah, but I saw
0: it firsthand.
1: Yeah, and so. Every team hated us. Every team, yeah. And I'd get marked. It Curry wasn't because of me. <laughs> <laughs> But that, that was what I struggled with. Yeah, was we're,
0: we were always in fights and shit. Always. And, and, so and none of us are fiery at all? dudes. We're nah, all real, real chill. real
1: chill. <laughs> and so
0: I found that, like... Do, do you remember that time that dude was, um, they they wanted a um, fight or something, and they were, like, waiting for us to finish? Yeah, at
1: the end. I know, I was so scared. That was
0: crazy, eh? Yeah. No, that
1: was terrible. Yeah, that was... Um,
0: <laughs> and, and, and it's so funny because... It was really no other reason than because Yeah. You know, you you were who you were. That was that was so crazy to experience.
1: But yeah, and so I think for me I just lost I just always felt like I was never good enough because yeah. you know, I'd be at basketball and I'd get some tall black turn up and shit on me and I'd be yeah, like, Oh, I yeah. suck at basketball. Or I'd been, you know, in property. This actually hasn't happened in property, but you know, and know some exactly, guy would turn exactly up. And so I just constantly never felt good enough. Yeah. And
0: Pe- people would Put you down and make a point, for sure.
1: Yeah, and so, and I think it's like what you touched on where people don't, they can't relate to you. Yeah. I always felt like an idiot because I was like, I'm never going to turn up and be like, oh, I'm sad and I'm lonely and I'm this because people yeah. would go, well, your dad's rich and you have a mean house. and But that doesn't make you happy or sad. You yeah, know, exactly. it's not my success. It doesn't change if, the feeling. Nah, and so I was terrible at expressing everything because I was mm. always like, I don't deserve to feel like this. There's people sleeping in a car yeah, yeah. and I had my education paid for, you know, yeah. so I felt I didn't have like a right to feel like that. And in time I've like been a little less hard on myself and I'm like, mm. why actually those feelings are understandable. And, and so I guess for me journaling and kind of trying to think through all these things that yeah. taught me just how to get perspective on things. And yeah. actually it's a way for me to be at the end of the day, be like, you killed it today. Like good job. And so I don't yeah. need to be arrogant around other people, but you know, it's a bit of like self love.
0: Can, can I ask you quite a personal cause like, uh, you know me, you know and all the time we've known each other. We've never once talked about your dad. I've never asked you about nah. him. Like I've met your old man, he's a fuck, he's
1: he's the fucking chillest dude ever. So chill, Um I remember when I saw you at Christmas time. Oh yeah. He was yeah, like, like in his little <laughs> cargo <laughs> shorts. He's yeah, that's that right. he's, a a,
0: he's, cr- he's a crack of his Kiwi as dead. So Kiwi. Um How how, When when it comes to Going through these experiences What are the convos With your dad like Because You know In part And I don't And I mean this In the respectful way possible Obviously he's part of The reason you're Well he is the reason You're experiencing it Mm. Does he understand What you're going through Is it a struggle for him too What are those convos like As you're going Because my convos With my parents bro When I was going through it The reason why I asked Were really really difficult Mm. Really hard Like challenged challenged and in part broke broke our relationship in a lot of ways because I'm going through an experience and I'm trying to tell them that they're not responsible for it. It it has come from part of their actions, but I'm trying to tell them you're not responsible for this. I'm I'm trying to better my life. But it's almost like these two crossroads that you experience when you walk into adulthood of this is me trying to figure out how to be me beyond just your child. Yeah. How do I talk through this experience with you without you taking personally the challenges of it that have come as a result of being your son? Like, I had that with my parents, so that's why I ask you, what was yours like with yours?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, If I'm being completely honest, and I think Dad would say this, I think he had no idea what was going to happen or what was going to be created. Yeah, right. You know, I think for him, he'd always wanted to be the Prime Minister and... You know, as I said previously, no one... It was never really about the family. Mm. And for whatever reason, we were the first kind of political family here that got this superstardom sort of... You know, everyone knew who we were. For sure. And so I think he does live with... Not regret. Regret's not the right word. But he is very, very self-aware of what he created Mm. and what impact it's had on our lives. And that's where... We fell out for a while because his way of dealing with things was, I think we have, like, different love languages. Yeah. And so— cause this, he, a, this is an interesting one. Yeah, so he came from nothing. So he came from, like, a state house, you know, Jewish mother that was, like, a refugee. Mm. And they never dishwashed there They were in the poorest house in Christchurch. Like, just had nothing. So he strived his whole life— It's kind of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. For him, he basically didn't have food and shelter. Mm. So his whole purpose in life has been, I never had that. If I can provide that for my family, they'll be happy, and I've done the right thing. Whereas for me, yeah, okay. yes, my, I, my dad was the same, bro. Yeah, and so that I think that's this is I've been thinking about this for years. I think that's why our generation suffers from depression and theirs doesn't, because interesting. If you think about Maslow's hierarchy, that's all they're focusing on. Yeah. Whereas for us, you can get. There's credit cards, you can buy anything you want. I can go to Louis Vuitton and have no money and buy a bag. I can't afford it and I'll be in debt, but I can still buy it. You yeah. can get anything you want at any moment. Yeah, I'm hungry, Uber eats. Yeah, I would want to go yeah, somewhere, there's an Uber. I want to match hot girls, go on Tinder. Yeah. I can do anything I want at any moment.
0: Yeah, and you do all those at the same time. I've seen that.
1: <laughs> 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 and so, whereas I think. So our generations like trying to find purpose at all times. Yeah, yeah, and that's hard. That is that hard. It's really, really hard, and that's why I think, especially a lot, as men. Yeah, and that's why I think a lot of rich kids are depressed because mm. they have all the basic things that most people are fighting over. It's very true. Most people are fighting over who's going to pay rent. How are we going to get electricity? Yeah, yeah. Which, yes, being in that situation, I'm not saying is easy, but from a like psychological perspective. It's less complicated because there's linear... Sol- For sure. It might seem... Sure. Obviously, I'm not saying going and making money and paying bills is easy, but it's a more linear solution to, you know, you can go get a job, you can go do X, Y, Z. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be tough. You might not have a nice life, but that's your problem. There's a way of dealing with it. Oh, and it's, it's not
0: class. It's, it's not class exclusive. It's, no, it's, it's all the, It's all the way down, and it's, you know, where it does become more difficult Difficult, I guess. The further you go down, is they still have, they they have the the basic, they have that that need for the basics like what your dad had, my dad had, my yeah. mom had, what our parents had. I should say. They have that as well as the purpose, as well as the purpose, because that the, gives the purpose, that that is d- the purpose d- dilemma. Yeah, and then as you go all the way up, we all share the same mm. kind of crisis, and uh, I think. A, you're so right in that That's one of the contributions To why our generation Especially are struggling with that Struggling, yeah And then I would go even further To say that One of the toughest things You know, we're in a We're in a climate that's Probably never been more difficult To, you know, move forward financially than Totally than,
1: than, Oh, it's tough
0: Than in any, any other point in history You tie You tie that whole Purpose-driven thing Often being inherently tied to money mm and that's why you've got this whole generation of of people, our, our age, and and kind of younger and a little bit older, and they just they have no idea what what to do because they've done every single thing that they've been asked all the way through, and it's still a struggle. Still a struggle, yeah. Still, no, st- they're still nowhere near achieving a level of comfort that they've said that they've seen as achievable through their grandparents and through their parents but we're not able to apply the logic of, or the perspective that, well, that was a different time to what we're in now. Yeah. We're still judging ourselves off of standards of the past, the past applying yeah. that to the current. Yeah, and you can't do And that. we're in a completely different ball game. Completely different,
1: yeah. But I guess, yeah, so, so to answer your question, I think short-term, you know, Dab was like, oh, if I take him on this holiday or if I get him this or... Not that to be fair, he never was that guy that would come home with like really flash stuff for me. He actually has been very disciplined on us, but I would sit there and be like, I just want to spend time with you. Yeah, and yeah. you know, I want to hang out and actually like, because it's funny, everyone sits there now and goes, You and dad are like best mates, like you have such a cool relationship. And we do now, but for years we didn't mm. hate each other. Well, I I kind of hated him. Yeah, and I think a bit of it was that resentment because. This is a very relatable convert, man Honestly Yeah And I found it tough Because I'd sit there And everyone I'd be copying all the shit Like, oh, you're chasing fame You're this, you're that And I'd be sitting there going I didn't want any of this I was just You know, I didn't choose any of this I kind of was in this position Mm. And then as a 17-year-old Made some stupid decisions And made my life a living hell For like five years Yeah And so Obviously when you're young And immature You sat there And at times I'd be like This is all fucking dad's fault Yeah, yeah You know, and I kind of hated him for it but at the same time, it was it was so confusing because at the same time I'm like, he got to like live his dreams. I'm mm. so proud of him, and so as a young kid, it's so it was such a like it was a weird, very weird way of like handling things, I guess. And yeah. so, I think where like I am have so much respect for Dad is I think he is fully aware of how tough it is, especially yeah. being under his shadow, and so, you know, because there's a lot of pressure. Like he was really, you know, he's a one of the top, like, investment bankers in the world. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's, like, had an amazing career in politics and stuff. And then I think he's understood, because I went down the investment banking route. Mm. And, again, it wasn't your John Key son, the politician. It was, oh, your John Key, the trader's son. Mm. And that had pressure. And I kind of just felt like I was sort of just living his life a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And then I found that he kind of came to me and was like, look, I'm really keen to start, like, a property thing. Why don't you come up with, like, a business plan? And, you know, I'm happy to put some investment into it. And he's just fully supported me on that. And I think it's super cool because, you know, now I've got my own company. It's fully me. He just, you know, he's involved when we need him, like if we, you know, want him to speak at something or, but he's been fully like reins off. Obviously, you know. Of
0: of course. Anybody that thinks Johnny's turning up every day at 9 a.m. is (laughs) fucking kidding themselves. Yeah, he's at the golf course. The dude does not need to be doing (laughs) shit. Sometimes (laughs) he's like, what did we (laughs) buy? No, he's
1: not that bad. um, But yeah, and so that's where I think he's been really good. Is that mm. he's he has understood the pressures of it all, yeah, and yeah. so you know it's taken a while. It's been a journey, and um, you know I think we can both see it from each other's perspectives
0: for for sure. And you know we we grew up very similar in a lot of ways, and obviously very different in very, a lot of ways, yeah. but we share a very similar experience with our dads. Like I hope you take it, you know, respectfully. We we clearly grew up different classes but we had that same experience. Same experience the one that yeah. you're talking about, I shared almost an identical experience with my old man. Yeah, My dad's not famous, you fucking wouldn't know him if you saw him walking down the street. But we had that same experience. Yeah, I read this book, bro, it's one of the best books I ever read. And funnily enough, the name of it is, um, I can't really remember, but the name of it is something like How Not To Be A Miserable Piece Of Shit.
1: Oh, How like, Not To Be A Miserable Effort, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Read, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's what it is. Um, and the opening part of the book it basically talks about how the reason our generation of men struggle emotionally is because our dads basically didn't have the tools to teach us about what we go through. Yep. they had the tools to get through their very specific experience, which usually was in the same purpose that you talked about. Was t- that post-depression era? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they had a very you know a very concentrated experience. And they were able to process what their emotions were required for that, and that was all they were well, prepared you. to do. I got a funny they, story. They, they they never they never ever had the tools to be able to co- nah. coach us through what we're going through. Nah. So one thing I say in my stand up because I actually talk about this in stand up, bro, is I say our dads were coaching us in a game that they don't even know how to fucking play. And that's that's such a true way of looking at it. Up. And bro, like it's a it's across all classes it's across the country it's across the world bro
1: yeah i was um we're sitting in the spa pool one night and i'm probably this is probably in like 2014 i'm like 19 yeah and dad goes like sitting there because we used to always like have a little like spas and we'd, like chat about politics yeah, and, like, yeah you know just that was like our little catch-up sitting there and he's like now you know He's getting really, aw- he's not an awkward dude. And he starts getting really awkward. And he's like, No, Max, if you, you know, if you ever want to chat about, you know, certain changes. And I'm like, Are you having the, the birds and the bees chat with me? I'm like, Dad, I'm 19. I'm,
0: like, like, I'm 20. I'm 20 this year, bro. You're like four years
1: <laughs> old. It was so funny. Bro, he's like, Oh, you didn't even I did not even told you.
0: bro, this is. My my old man is... Crack- okay, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, bro. My old man is so crack up, G. Like, he c- cannot... Anything that gets even close to emotion, the bro can't do it. We're, we'll we be stuck in a room together now, bro, and it gets awkward, because he, cause he knows what I'm like. He knows yeah, what yeah. I like talking about, yeah. and he just can't handle it. So <laughs> I I do the stroke of my stand-up. I won't, like, give it away, because everyone listening, you got to pay for that. But... Um, <laughs> The general gist of the joke is my dad will substitute vulnerability for productivity. So I know my dad's feeling awkward when he goes and does something productive. Mm. So I literally just went to Wellesboro last weekend. I was doing a bunch of shows down there. And um, it was me and my bro Marty who um, who works with me. And we're just chilling in the lounge. And it's like six in the morning because we're both, we're both early risers. We're just chilling in my lounge because we stayed at my parents' place down there. And um, – my dad walks in and he's like morning boys and I'm like sup dad how you, how you going yeah good mate and I'm just sitting there like, sweet I can tell he's feeling awkward and then all I hear bro is I hear the back door slide slide open and I just hear the weedy to start up <laughs> 6am bro doing the weed <laughs> yeah. and I said to Marty I was like watch this bro he'll do this until we leave <laughs> so let's just get out of here to save,
1: save him the hassle <laughs> I wonder if your mum's worked out like how to be awkward so that he does all the chores oh, no. right <laughs> like all the dishes dude, you, you, the d- you
0: know exactly where the joke goes brother? Yeah. But, but yeah bro that's um, and that bro, that is like a, such a quintessentially the Kiwi dad thing yeah. like they just want to be able to put food on the table and make sure that we're all good. And anything more than that.
1: Yeah. I'll like, tell Dad, I'll be like, oh.
0: Go tell to your mum.
1: Yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, Dad, I um just broke up with this girl. And I'm pretty gutted. He's like, oh, yeah. Um, how's the market going? And he's <laughs> just like.
0: <laughs> Bro, I'll tell you, my dad's bird's in the beast chat. I, was, I had my first girlfriend at 16. Yeah, and um hey, this guy. And I am my first girlfriend at sixteen and my dad comes comes in and I know I know when my mum's told him that he has to do something, because he gets really like sheepish. And he comes and sits down and he's just like So, um how um how's things been with the missus? And I was like, Yeah, good And he goes Have you um You've heard of condoms eh? And I was like, Yeah, dad, I know what condoms are. And he's like, Okay, cool, cool. Sweet as bro. And he walks off. <laughs> That's it. That's it.
1: <laughs> and, then, okay, the and then top. I
0: saw and then I saw him walk out, and then I said he walks down to the lounge, and I just see my mum walk out and then just go like whispering. And I just that was when I knew that she had told him to go and take up <laughs> I just see, I just see her kind of like whispering, murmuring in his ear, and he and he's like, "Yeah, I just did it. I just did it." Go <laughs> <laughs> ask him. We just had combo. <laughs> That's all sweet. He, he yeah, he's, he's sweet. He's sweet. <laughs> I just condensed ten years of sexual education into <laughs> five seconds. <so>. <laughs> <laughs> bro, they they can't they can't do it. They can't do it, and it's yeah. the fuck it's the fucking funniest thing. And bro, you can talk to any any person. And uh, they'll share a similar experience with their old man, Like, any dude especially. They have just a...
1: have no shame. Like, we... we they funny, can't do it. They can't do it. A few friends of mine, we, um, we're in um, America playing golf in January. And there's, like, this hot tub in the place we're staying. And Dad's like, oh, yeah, boys, let's go a spa. And so we're all, like, you know, in our little togs. And Dad, just in front of all of us, just whips his pants off, <laughs> butt naked, just goes and sits in the spa. <laughs>
0: And I'm like, Let's go bro, why are they like that? Why, why can they do
1: that? And he's like, you don't need togs. I'm like, Dad, I am not having a spa with you naked. And my four friends are sitting there like, like, bro. No, and one of them's like, I don't have togs. He's like, oh, you don't need them. Mate. I
0: don't know how. I don't know how they can do that. I don't know how they can do that. But you sit them down. You sit them down for a convo, and even not. You don't even have to shed a tear. But you, you warm your eyes up and it is game over. These boys cannot handle it. They cannot handle it. But it's, it's, been, it's been the fun, because I've got two younger brothers as well. Yeah. So my dad's the, I think, you know, he's had to go through this whole thing three times and I don't think he's gotten any better. <laughs> but I feel... Um,
1: you should ask your brothers what he said to them.
0: I think I think I know my youngest brother he just didn't even bother he just <laughs> he, he's like oh, I'm sure the boys have talked about it <laughs> I think with my mum I think he can just he can just wave everything off he's like no no I heard Joe talk to him about it so <laughs> yeah he told me he said Joe Joe talked to him yeah yeah
1: you replayed my chat <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah
0: yeah Joe just replayed the same convo we had uh, so I, just as it's doubly effective <laughs> I've got generational lessons but, um, but, but yeah, bro, I think one of the funniest things that I guess I've learned is that my where my relationship with my dad is now is the reverse on what I was hoping for. You know, yeah. being that, I guess, that vehicle for him to figure out constructively as a man how to be emotionally vulnerable. Because their they thing, you know, it's... Like, these are buzzwords to a lot of people, but for them it's a challenge on their masculinity, you know, being Mm -hmm. vulnerable. So that's hard for them. And so they don't necessarily know how to maintain that thing that makes them feel strong and makes them feel valuable. They don't know how to maintain that while supposedly, you know, being vulnerable because that gives up that power that I guess doing everything else that they do gives them. And so what what I've just realised with my dad is that my dad wasn't going to be the one to – Teach me that. If anything, I've got to learn it because I have more tools to be able to learn it, yeah. and I've got to show him how to do it. Yeah. And for me, I think that's the the coolest responsibility ever. Ever because if you think about, um you know, we talk about it in Maldidum with with fucker papa. The reason you refer to your fucker papa is because. It's almost an essence of you're continuing the story that your ancestors have laid out for you. You know, they've given you a certain part and that's a certain amount of history for you to work with. Mm-hmm. And it's just your responsibility to carry on from what you've already been given. Yep. And that's why you'll hear Māoris talk about whakapapa all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's just what my dad's given me. is He's given me a place to start. I'm carrying on from that. And that's why I'm able to get to these higher heights because I'm going off of what he's already set yeah. out. And then it's my responsibility to to then give back. And pass it down. And pass it Yeah. And even and And even back up. And even give it back up. Yeah. Because I'm working with what they gave me. And I'm now giving what they gave me was able to unlock for me that they weren't able to get themselves. So that's that's that changed our relationship for the better. And you know, we still have these like funny as awkward little moments, but I don't carry that expectation of needing my dad to guide me. Now you, it's...
1: It's kind of like you're expecting someone to do something they can't. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And you're just going to be disappointed every time. Every time, yeah.
1: No, but, that's definitely what I found as well. Like, I think I, like, forced Dad to say, I love you, to me. Um, and he was
0: so <laughs> awkward. <laughs> me, me and my brothers would have this ongoing joke, bro, where we would all say, I love you to Dad, and we'd see who he says it to first, because I would be like, love you, Dad. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> love you, Dad. Uh, yep, heard you too. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, mate. But <laughs> <laughs> well, but my Dad's one is love you. Yeah, you too. <laughs> so whoever we got that, they won. Both you, you, you force. JK yeah, to have that with you. And he like, he like just need these like awkward hugs and like. Does, does he do the one be- the one slap on the yeah my, the like my yeah. Dad does just the one slap on the back and then yeah. re- 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 it's a, it's a straight yeah, it's it's away it's it's release. Yeah. release. It's quick. Steph Curry, it's quick release.
1: It's quick. It's all the rest. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Sweet. Yeah. Well, Joey D, thank you so much, my friend. This is I've loved this. But, bit, yeah, we but, got deep.
0: Well, we we always have um pretty good catch ups. But that's fucking good to see you, man. Yeah,
1: no, thank you so much for coming on for your time. And how can um how can everyone check you out? Do you have any tours coming up or, no, no,
0: no, I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 no. Just um yeah, if you just follow me on um joe jo, jo, jo. dot joe dot daymond dot d a y m o n d on uh Insta. Yeah, kind of keep it all up kind of keep all the updates and shit on there and yeah just keep up there and i'm sure i'll see you see everyone listening down the line
1: yeah sweet well thanks so much guys and we'll see you next week cheers